This is The Culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Wave Podcast. We are back to talk about a Netflix original film that is trending right now. It's a foreign film. It's called Society of the Snow, which was directed by J.A. Bayona. I am one of your hosts. My name is Darian Scalamoni. I am joined by Liz Seiko. Hello, everybody. And I am also joined by Zach Miller. How's it going? So this was a film that uh, you guys kind of put me on to. I last went to see this. Mm -hmm. I watched this the day of our recording. Um, But it's based on a true story about a crash that happens um, in 1972. A very famous like national like a lot of people are aware of what this crash was Mm -hmm. um, of these uh, uh, Uruguayan uh, rugby players who are traveling to Chile uh, for a rugby match and their plane crashes and they have to survive. Uh, throughout that in harsh conditions in the Andes Mountains. Um, really interesting film. Uh, I was really surprised with the fact that this is like their most watched foreign movie on Netflix. Um, but foreign stuff like really finds an audience on Netflix, which I really appreciate. Like, I mean, Squid Game is like the obvious, like except like not exception of the rule, but like the one that blew up. Um, but I was happy to hear that this movie was getting attention. Uh, Liz, what yes. are your first thoughts on Society of the Snow? Um, well, I'll give a little bit of background of like how I came to watch this. So pretty much I just put it on because Zach's I, I saw that it was popular on Netflix. Zach said that it was actually good. So I was like, OK, let me watch it. I really didn't know anything about it. But as I'm watching this film, I start to be like, wait, why do I know this story like very well? And then I realized that I had seen um the original movie that came out in 1993 called Alive and I saw it when I was young so I was just remembering the actual story of what happens and um, I, well, we won't get into spoilers right now but like the extent that these p- people have to go through in order to survive and so um, I had already known the story but it definitely was a different film compared to the original um, one the original uh, they It's completely in English and it is a fully white cast. So as we were talking about before, DJ, like you said, they kind of Hollywoodized it and just made it uh, accessible to like the United States, I think, at that time. Um, So this film, Society of the Snow, definitely uh, comes at it from more of a perspective uh, from how the story actually happened and to give some respect to the actual people whose lives it affected and the people that um, passed away. Uh, overall, I thought it was a very intense film. Um, I kind of honestly felt nauseous at times, which I don't know if other people felt, but I was definitely like, it's not a film that you're snacking. Well, it's a fair point. It's no. not a snacking film. Um, but yeah, I thought the tech and the production behind it is beautiful. I kept noticing the sound work that they were doing was a big standout for me. I could see this getting some attention from the Academy for maybe sound nominations. Um, there's the scene of the plane crash for me was very intense. It was incredibly done, I thought. Incredible. I'm sure we'll yeah. talk in detail, yeah, yeah, but yeah. that was definitely a standout for me. Um, I also think that the reason it's doing so well being a foreign film on Netflix is two things. I think that this is a foreign film that you don't necessarily have to be listening to the dialogue to be able to see what's happening because the visuals are so effective Mm -hmm. and it is such a visual story that you kind of know what's happening without actually having to fully understand. Two, this is a thing that Netflix does. Did you guys watch it 
with the English voice over or did you watch it with in the original uh, like Spanish uh, dialogue and then English subtitles? I never watch anything dubbed. So okay. I watched it in Spanish or in with yes, with the English subtitles. Zach, what about you? Yeah, I, I don't I don't like when they dub over stuff. So I just did the uh uh the the natural Spanish mm -hmm. language and then the, the caption. Because did you guys notice or maybe it's just my Netflix, but when you started it, it yeah. starts with the English mm -hmm. uh voiceover. Mine didn't do that. Are are you sure? I'm pretty positive. Really? Because so that's what Netflix does is a lot with their okay. foreign language films is they will automatically have it preset so that it's the English voiceover. Mm. That's not something where it like gets algorithmically changed. You don't think like you have mean? you done that before where you watch the foreign film and you watch it dubbed? Like, no, no. See, I don't oh, okay. like it. And unless unless somebody in my family is like using my account and just like is watching foreign films dubbed over. But like I don't. And so every time I start a foreign film, it's always in the English voiceover. Okay. So then I always have to manually go and change it to the original um, like like original uh, language. And so a part of me thinks that that maybe that's why it's also doing so well with Netflix is that they're really pushing the English voiceover because I know that a lot of people a lot of not cinephiles like us they tend to not love foreign films they don't want to watch things they don't want to watch subtitles they're lazy yeah. yeah and so they do listen to the english voiceover and so if they're marketing it with that that could help it but yeah. anyways i just yeah. went on a tangent no, but not a tangent. those are my it's first initial thoughts, thoughts. Zach? Mm -hmm. yeah i i love this movie um <laughs> there's a lot of great messages about like just the human willpower to survive and you know what they had to go through in these harsh circumstances was unbearable so um i did not know about the cannibalism side of it i just saw the trailer uh well i didn't i didn't watch the trailer i just saw like a preview and i was like oh plane crash movie like survival movie i've seen a couple of those before so i wanted to watch it and um yeah i i thought it was really well handled for the subject matter and just really it, it gave that graphic material, but it didn't feel like it was overbearing and uh, it took away, it didn't take away from the narrative. I think it was, it was always about their initiative to survive, you know, like they had to do some pretty horrible things, but they, uh, they ended up getting out there at, because they were a team um, and they used their self-discipline as a unit to try and get through harsh circumstances. But yeah, just just the lengths that they went to to overcome what they did was pretty unbelievable. Yeah. And and I thought the filmmaking complemented that really well. So I hadn't seen the original version like you did. So the whole time I was thinking to myself, I was like, I don't think the other one is better than this, like just off the top of my head. Like I love Ethan Hawke, but I just didn't think that the, they balanced the um, ensemble as well as they might have at least. And then just the filmmaking felt better and more like natural so i mean just just off of my thoughts but yeah yeah that was i feel similarly to what zach said uh <laughs> i didn't realize that this story had been told so many times through either documentary or like you had said the 1993 version of alive and then um i see on the notes that there was also an original one that came out in like the 70s mm -hmm. <clears throat> that kind of chronicled this in a scripted way um so that in and of itself there's it's hard because there's always going to be comparison um but I do think that, in my personal opinion, the way that they tackled it and J.A. Bayona being a Hispanic filmmaker and really pouring his all into what this was with a, um, 
a native cast, I think is really important to uh, <clears throat> the authenticity of the story and also adding that extra layer of like realism and really putting you within the situation of what happened. Um, I echo what Zach said. I like really, really, really like this movie. Like I was surprised with how much I liked it. I knew I would, I based on what I had seen, like the cinematography is phenomenal in this movie. And I really, really hope it gets nominated at the Academy Awards uh, for a lot of different things. But I mean, it's a tough year and it came out January 4th and we're, I mean, we're big proponents of the iron claw here and that's not getting really anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, fingers crossed by the time this episode airs, the Oscar nominations have already been out, but um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this movie and uh, I agree with you. It's, it's something that it's not a comfortable viewing, mm -mm. like as uh, we'll get to scores, obviously at the end of the episode, but like, this is not one I'm probably going to return to, many times in my lifetime, but it's a movie that I really respect and uh, it's incredibly visceral, like going through this with the ensemble. And I love that I had found out uh, in some of my research that a lot of the actors in this are like first time actors or have not done much of anything. And I think that's a standout of, of the movie. The fact that um, we'll get into specifics, but there's not really a lead character in this the lead character is the team itself mm -hmm. and the camaraderie and the fraternal nature that comes with them. Um, so yeah, those are, those are opening thoughts for all of us. And I feel like we can't do too much else without spoiling probably. Yeah. Right. So if you guys are checking out our review here, please check out society of the snow. It's available to watch and stream on Netflix. You guys can watch it right now. Um, if you guys don't want to be spoiled, then come back and watch this when you guys are done watching it. But if you guys don't really care and you want to hear our opinions, Stick around because we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this movie, uh, it starts off uh, where we are in Uruguay and it shows you the scene of uh, Roberto, one of the characters uh, who is um, – they're playing a rugby game and he gets the ball and he refuses to pass it. And mm -hmm. that actually plays a major part going forward in the story. But um, they're, some of the members of the team are not sure if they want to take the long flight uh, to Chile from Uruguay to play in this <coughs> this game, uh, this rugby match. And uh, basically all of them finally get convinced. And you have the whole uh, plane is filled and they have to fly uh, around the Andes Mountains to try to get to where they need to get to so they're not sucked in. And Which pretty, is crazy, first of so all. So crazy. Like, that's not something that I ever knew. <laughs> no, it scared the <laughs> shit out of me, frankly. Like, I'm like... I haven't watched a lot of movies where there are plane crashes or shows, um, but this, because of the filmmaking aspect of it, which, Zach, I definitely want you to talk about. Yeah. I feel like, but it immediately immersed me within the claustrophobia and the fear that came with these performers. Like, the crash scene itself is so well executed, yeah. but terrifying. It's traumatizing. It is. It's well, incredibly traumatizing. I think it's interesting too because – so I'm just trying to think back on like other films that have plane crashes. And just from what I always picture, it's uh, – the direction is typically – and like Zach, you can probably also talk about this. The plane is crashing. You see the panic of everybody putting on their seatbelts. The plane – crashes into the ground and it's black they cut to black or it's like quick cuts within the plane quick. very quickly yeah very quickly and then it cuts to black and then it cuts yeah. to black and then it's like slowly opening up to the people like waking up or like they can't hear and then them slowly realizing 
This is, they show the entire crash from inside the plane and like they show bones breaking. They show people colliding into each other and getting crushed. And it was very jarring. It's yeah. intense. Yeah. And like, I don't know about you guys. I watch a film, like anytime I'm flying, I watch a film. I do not recommend this if you are flying. <laughs> oh, no do not no watch this way. on United. Do I not watch this anywhere. I don't think they should anywhere. even have the ability to offer a film of this 100%. nature on, on a, a plane. Which is sad to say because I feel like this is a movie that is still so well, like, a fantastic movie. Yep. Just don't offer. I it could just see flights. somebody being like, "Oh, Society of the Snow. I've heard it's great. Let's download <clears throat> it for the plane ride." No, don't. Mm -mm. <laughs> so, but anyway, oh, it's, about a, it's about a team of oh, uh, rugby players. Oh yeah. Oh, this is so nice and warm in the beginning. Oh, they're gonna go beat the chili team. Oh, it's gonna no. be great. My God. No. <laughs> Zach. Yeah. I want to know your thoughts on the the crash in particular, and and we'll go into other specifics of the film. But that, from a filmmaking perspective, how did you feel about it? I really liked it. I like kind of what you guys were saying. The, the choreography of it was really good because you have like the 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 cabin gets like the suction, which happens a lot, and then uh, the back of the plane just gets gone. Like twelve people just gone. I mean, the one guy literally changed his seat. Yeah. And like, I think that actually happened because the survivors were very involved with it. So I, I think that happened. But um, yeah, like he was in, he just literally changed his seat. And then you're thinking about, wow, that guy just got sucked out mm -hmm. like be because of that. And then, um, yeah, the whole, all of the, once they hit the, the snow, all the chairs fall forward, like 10 people get crushed just there off of impact. And um yeah, there like everything was so crazy. Like and then it was so disorienting when they all woke up. Like mm -hmm. everybody was either like bloody or they were looking at dead people around them and then they're all like if these are all like brothers or close friends in their life too. I think they did a great job showing just how tightly knit they were and then just how young they are experiencing something so severe like that is is just unbelievable in itself, let alone the rest of the movie. So <clears throat> the way that they handled the the just the choreography and the quick cuts and um the angles like I'm, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of like dummy bodies that were getting crushed and things like that you know there's a lot of different techniques they definitely use for yeah. that um but even uh going back to his other movie uh the impossible with ewan mm. mcgregor and the tsunami that happens in that movie they did like some miniatures i think with the town actually getting mm -hmm. engulfed with water. Um, and then they did some uh, full-size sets with water crashing over yeah. before it like sweeps them. But they're like, he's very good at incorporating that practical violent atmosphere. And um, like, like there's other moments like in fallen kingdom, like Jurassic world where he has to use a lot of CGI yeah. because of dinosaurs, yeah. but like this and the impossible, it's very grounded and it's very terrifying because they're very relatable situations or, or things that could happen, you mm -hmm. know? So it's, it's hard to imagine that. And he did that very well visually. So yeah. I like that a lot. He has the ability to tell an epic story and like, unlike a lot of directors nowadays without the use of digital, I agree. And yeah. Yeah, there's uh there is something to even like the dedicate, like I watched this movie with my brother and we were talking about <clears throat> how, um, like when you see the, the evolution and the transformation of some of the performers in this movie from the beginning of the film and then you see when they're malnourished after mm -hmm. being stuck in the Andes for what, two months or a month? It's like a little over a month, right? 
think it's, it's I think three, it's three months. months. Yeah. Three months? Yeah. Three, yeah. Months. Is it? three months. Okay. So, yeah. but like. Which is insane. It's unbelievable. Thing and about. in but, dead winter, like yes. freezing temperatures. On the Andes Mountains. Oh, um, <laughs> but can't. the fact that like the transformation that the actors go through. Yeah. And a, another added layer why I think the performances are so great. They're, they're not even like. They they haven't they're not polished actors they're not veteran actors they haven't been in these crazy sets they haven't been committed to thing a lot of things like this I mean this is a movie that I Liz or Zach one of you guys I know had written in the notes uh, this is an epic movie in terms of scale yeah. 138 days of filming is yeah. crazy long. that's long. crazy hmm. and uh, the budget I can't read euros what is the budget it's 65 million 65 million euros. so yeah. um, what does that translate to American dollars it's close to it it's probably like 80 million okay so roughly. it's still it's a big budget yeah. movie um, and I just there there's so much in this movie that I appreciate from a filmmaking perspective that um, I mean again where we're, we're I, I am such a proponent of like storytelling, like, and how we had a lot of films within 2023 that uh, touched upon these personal stories. And I still haven't had a chance to see Poor Things, which is more of like a fantastical sort of thing. But like, I'm a, I love the Iron Claw. I love past lives, these small, quiet things. From a cinematic perspective, this movie like blew me away. Yeah. Like, there was so much that I was just like, oh my God, this shot, the music. Michael Giacchino with the mm -hmm. score, and he yeah. was nominated for uh, a Critics' Choice as well, which mm -hmm. I'm happy he was recognized for because he's a fantastic composer. And the undertones of this, just the whole time, like I don't know, there, there's so much to like about it. But uh, if there's other things that stick out to you, Liz, no, yeah, I like um, what I find that he's doing a lot with his films, uh, Bayona, is that some directors tend to lean the way of let the audience imagine the trauma that's happening rather than show it. I feel like he's bordering that line of like, let me show them enough where they're not turning this off this film. hundred percent. But yeah. that they're not just bored listening to things like rather than telling us the trauma, he's showing us and pushing that boundary of like almost horror kind yeah, of. Yeah. Cause it's haunting. Yeah. Like yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the visuals that you get and the real life things that occurred Within this crash, which I know Zach had talked a little bit about, but like these guys have to resort to cannibalism at some point to survive. It's it's awful, but mm -hmm. you're right. Like he he definitely has the ability to toe that line, which a lot of people don't. Like some people, like with body horror, like it's way too much. Well, I think it would with other directors. Somebody probably like let's say uh, like your ghost probably would have been like, okay, let's focus on the cannibalism and make it like very gory them having to like eat these bodies versus some other people would have been like, I don't even want to show it. So let's just say, oh, we have to eat this, but not actually watch them having to do the actual eating. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about, uh, I think he just does like trauma scenes very well because I keep thinking of the impossible and this film and they're very similar also because mm. in the impossible I just think of kind of like the plane crash when the tsunami comes in I just remember Naomi Watts's character getting like hit and then he it's probably a dummy but he has the body like floating and getting smacked into things and you just watch like uh, like bodies getting trampled and like pushed and so I, just, I i think it's an interesting take that he's doing of 
showing the traumatic events rather than just focusing fully on the aftermath of it. Because I would say, arguably, one of the most intense, like, he starts off pretty intense with the plane crash. Then it kind of dips to just figure out, like, okay, there's so many people that died. But then it escalates again into the emotional battle that these people are having of some people want to survive. And so they're going to it resort to cannibalism and then other people are like morally i can't do this so i think it was also a smart uh uh screenplay wise to bring in that moral compass because i think if it was just like oh yeah nobody yeah, has a problem like, yeah, if everybody's like yeah let's yeah. do it then it lose the stakes too. yeah yeah because then there's no um combativeness and there's nothing to build off of while i think it it builds the stakes of like these people would die if they right. didn't yeah. do this. And it, but it's also not overstated. Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah. not like these big uh, like Fight emotional scenes. Which I love. Yes. Because there's such a legitimate relationship between all these guys. And Zach, you touched on it a little bit. Like and he does such a good job of establishing that in such a short amount of time mm -hmm. that you yeah. genuinely believe that these guys are family to one another. But also they might not have the energy to fight because they're freezing. Yes. They're yeah. starving and they're probably have ptsd right now so it's not like they have the bandwidth to have these full-blown arguments yeah right. which again these are young actors like fresh actors to be able to deliver that performance and not over pushing it of like a life or death situation and delivering a very subtle performance that's tough yeah, yeah. i agree zach you there, had something there's also like um so there's like 45 team members on this plane but i felt like a lot of Almost every death was incredibly felt and mm -hmm. it was very profoundly deep that every time a person died, there was more and more hopelessness building because they were like feeling this buildup of we are going to end up like them if we don't try something. Cannibalism is one of those things. And then throughout the film, they're trying to escape like some of them are trying to go on the large, mm -hmm. large journeys um and then they end up camping out on top of the mountains like they're going through so much stuff but they are running out of options and the whole time i'm like how many of these people are actually going to survive because i didn't know the story before this so i was like yeah. who is like everyone is up for grabs here that someone could just die and um i really liked how he didn't focus well liz i know that you might have a counter to this but i didn't i liked how he didn't focus on one Ethan Hawke character, you know, like like mm -hmm. one protagonist of above all the rest, you know. I think it made but. the story more gripping. That 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 you never really knew what was going to happen <laughs> with all these characters, and I think similar. Like again, I despite you having seen the '93 film, like were you aware of the characters in comparison to the characters from that film when seeing this? Maybe no. you were because like I didn't know. Like similar to Zach, I didn't know who was going to die, who was going to live, if any of them were going to live. I didn't know much about the story so probably because mm -hmm. it happened decades before we were born but no i just because it'd been so long that i'd seen alive so i wasn't aware of like who the actual characters were and like which the connection was um but yeah so the 1993 one they definitely focused the script the script more around ethan hawk's character who who does he play um nando nando which... nando See the captain. <clears throat> Let's see. He is. I mean, I'm on IMDb and I'm looking. 
Admando? He is the guy whose sister dies, and he almost he. Had, oh, the guy with the beard. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. guy with the beard. Well, I mean, a lot of them have beards by the. But end, the guy but... with like the black eyes for a little, like the two. Yeah. You know the yeah. mate. Is that you know what I'm talking I about? I thought that okay. he's like injured a lot. Yes. In the okay. beginning, yeah. Okay. But then he like eventually gets better, and then he's yes. the, he's one of the one the two people <clears throat> at the end that ends up doing yes. the hike. Um, and so no, I didn't know the characters' names, but. A part of me kind of likes the script a little bit more where it focuses in at least on a few main characters because I think when you're focusing in on this many characters, it's hard It's hard to um, – yes, obviously the story is so traumatic so you feel for them, but I feel like when you're able to focus in on at least – two or three main characters, you're able to connect the audience to them more and feel and want to fight for them uh, versus just a broad overall, like, oh, I feel for this group. Um, I liked the voiceover. So I liked how they had it coming from one of the... It was Numa's perspective. Yes. Um, And so I really liked it. I also loved the tone that they did for that voiceover of making it a very intimate, not like broadcasty voice it was almost like he was whispering the whole time it almost was like bordering like uh asmr in a way it was super i loved it but i hated the reveal of like and him just being like and i died on october blah 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 like what so then how like he wasn't just writing all this they didn't have pen and paper with them so it's like where like linear wise how is this man telling that story? I am curious to know. So there are survivors from this story. So why wouldn't they pick a survivor what to tell that story? What makes me think is that I genuinely believe uh, I do. And it's in um, it's in the research that we had done for this film that Bayona, I mean, really took his time with crafting this movie. And they talked to the survivors and their families f- over years of time before they decided to make this movie. I'm curious. I don't have the answer to this. But maybe Numa as a person who had died was someone that was more well-spoken and somebody that like had a way with words. And that's why they decided to frame it in that way. Because at the same time, I I agree with you. I did. I really appreciated the narration kind of walking us through Mm -hmm. certain things and the tenderness that kind of uh, counteracts the harrowing nature of what is happening the whole time. But to me, it just added more importance to his character. And I was okay with the fact that he was dying because they play so much into the fact that he he was such a he believed himself to be such a good person that once he damaged himself he didn't feel like there was any way that he could help anybody and at the same time he helped so many people throughout that whole entire time it worked for me uh i don't know exactly what the answer is i'm curious if bayona had said anything in an interview where maybe he decided to frame the narration that way i don't know i wish and like you guys might not agree with this but i kind of wish that it was more of one of the people that survived and it's them like 40 years after this when they're much older and looking back on this then voicing over and telling their experience on it um another thing that i i actually preferred for this film versus the other one the 1993 version ends with them just getting rescued. So the film literally just ends with... Oh, it's so 90s. Yes. Yeah. With Wait, them, you said you liked that? No, I oh, didn't. Okay. I liked right. that they brought them 
like home. So it literally in the 1993 literally ends with the helicopters circling them and then being like, yeah, woo, we're saved. And like, that's, yeah, that's it. Very nice. Very like nice. No payoff there. Yeah. None. And so I really loved that they, that you got to see them coming back and, um, the, the costume and makeup of making them look so gaunt and like the actual trauma that their bodies went through. It was so good. A part of me kind of wishes that maybe they had spent a little less time on the mountain and a little bit more time in the after because I had read some things that like when news broke that they had to resort to cannibalism. It was huge. It was yeah, like people it like changed the perspective of how people thought of the whole entire thing. Yes, because some people were like, that's just like something's wrong with them. And then some people were like, no, they had to do what they had to do to survive. But then other people were like, they could have done a million other things. <laughs> yeah, so like, right. but maybe that's a whole nother <laughs> no maybe that's a whole nother movie. Like I don't know if I don't know. I kind of wish that if they were going to step into that world, it would open up a whole nother like 45 minutes, I feel like. For I'm this so film. glad that they didn't. Really? Dude, yeah. yeah, because I. Because I don't know you think that then it comes into commenting on it rather well, than just telling that, the story? Well, not only that, because I'm personally, I'm like so sick of just every single movie having an attachment to a stance. I just don't. Okay. I, I appreciate it, but I do feel like. There's too much of an emphasis now where it's like every single thing needs to have an opinion. And it's like, no, some things you're just trying to tell a story in the best way that you can. And you're trying to tell it from the perspective that you want to tell it. We from. don't need to decide if cannibalism is bad or good right no, now. I, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's a conversation for off camera. Um, no, I think but it's I, OK, like, I, I think it's I think it's OK that they didn't do that only because I think what they're solidifying with the running theme is we are going to do what we have to do to survive. Mm -hmm. And they, a lot of them, they, w I don't think anyone on that plane would have done it mm -hmm. unless they really had to. And they were all kind of very reluctant to do it. Even yeah. though some of them were more agreeable in the beginning, but they were all understanding that that was the only way out. So I think if you undo that, not at the end and then open it up again, it kind of it backpedals a little bit mm. on on what they were trying to set up the whole movie. So I think it's as long as it's a consistent theme, or if they took out more of the survival like second act, and then they added that mm -hmm. as into a longer third act, you could have probably done that. But I think it was already long and extensive enough of that this was about their trauma and their persistence and the human will to survive instead of like the morality of cannibalism because i think everyone can i hope universally agree that cannibalism is a bad thing yes um so but but we were understanding of the harshness of the situation so yeah i i would agree with that and so i actually found an article <clears throat> that talks a little bit about um the framework of using um numa as the device as the Ooh, narrator hit me with it so uh they talk about so the uh some of what he does narrate, not all of it, but some of what he narrated was in his last will to them, which I guess he, I don't he know. He must have had a piece he of must paper have had something. Um, but <clears throat> it speaks more to the fact that Numa is the one person <clears throat> throughout the whole entire movie is consistent with opposing the act of cannibalism. Mm -hmm. And it's giving you the perspective of being the one who's forcing the viewers to confront 
what they might do in order to survive. So it leaves up to interpretation, which I think, again, kind of goes exactly against what you were saying. It's like he clearly does not want to take a stance. Mm -hmm. He wants to put it on the viewer and have you ask the question, like, morally, like, what would I have done in this situation? Because, again, like, I think we can all agree cannibalism is wrong. But the harshness of the situation and the fact that we talked a little bit before, like, over three months, these guys were trapped mm-hmm. in freezing cold, and so many of them died. These men and women, I should say. I apologize. But um, it just – I appreciated the fact that it asks so many uh, moral questions throughout the fact that these guys are dealing with these situations. And also, we haven't touched a lot on this, but I appreciated so much that – and I don't know if Alive did this. There's like moments of like – humor mm-hmm. where like they're losing their minds but they're still like reminiscing on what they want their lives to be when they return home yeah. and that's another part of it where it's like i'm so glad that bayona talked to the survivors because i would have to imagine some of those conversations are authentic mm-hmm. and those are real things that they dealt with how did you guys feel about that that part of it was it like eerie to you or did like no i le- i i enjoyed that because um it made that it show that they also weren't like losing their minds in a way that they were still people that saw hope at the end of it. Um, I also think it highlighted that this specific experience would probably have been a total different story if it was a plane of random people that didn't know each other Mm -hmm. versus this team that already had a love and family connection. Um, I think that's what ended up helping them all survive too is that they already had a foundation with each other of trust and knowing that they're looking out for each other um that's a great point actually yeah Yeah. i didn't think about it like that versus like could you imagine if this was just a plane of like like random people it would have yeah literally like lost it would have just been it would have led to more conflict yes it would just be like no like you don't this is my family yeah like like, yeah like i'm i'm doing it what i want to do versus this was like we're a team we were a team before let's figure out how to work as a team and they immediately go into action oh which is is crazy there's no moment of like what just happened? We need to talk about this. It's like, all right, survival. That was the doing? one thing that, I, not that I like, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm now I kind of want to go back and watch a documentary on this as well. But like, not that I didn't believe it, but it was like the fact that these men and women were so smart at such a young age. And there were some that were older people on the plane, but the team in general is ages 20 to 24, 25 that they just sprung into action like that. And it was just, it was crazy to see. I I feel like, and this is me coming at our, our generation. I feel like we, <laughs> all of us wouldn't know what to do we because we're be so, so used to Google. Fucked. I'd literally be like, my phone doesn't work. I don't know how to Google to fix a radio. I can't do this. Versus like these people, they didn't have that. So they had, they spent their time learning how to do this on their spare time so that they knew how to do it. We would be fucked. We wouldn't know how to do it. We'd be screwed. Yeah. yeah. Also, they knew which way. Zach like, would be okay. Zach would be I fine. Would, no, I was thinking Zach about would, it, man. I would get some bullshit. Like my my fucking chair would go right through my leg or something. I'd be paralyzed. Just, I'd be like, I'm out. Yeah, like, I'm I can't done. do shit for you. And then- but it's like basic survival instincts that I don't think anybody thinks about today, or at least not in like where where we're from. Is like even just them knowing that like oh that way is north and like 
uh, Chile is that way. Mm. And I know oh, where I'm, we are. I'm like I, literally geographically challenged. I could probably figure it out based <laughs> off the sun, but also it. being in an area that you've never been in before. Yeah. It's not like they are visiting these mountains yeah. on a daily. Yes. So they're like, oh, I've been here before. I know mm. where to go. The mm. fact that they just have an awareness of it. Um, I mean, that's, yeah. It, oh, I couldn't. It's crazy. Another one of my favorite things was... Um, when they first tried to signal the plane mm. that flew over and they were they weren't reaching it and they they had mirrors and stuff and i was like that was smart and then after that they were like why didn't it see us or report us and then they climb the mountain and they see how yes. small they are in the mountains i was like wow that was a great use of perspective yeah. filmmaking too because it's 100%. like you know they're completely engulfed in these andes mountains so it was, it was like really legitimate good. explanation to things yes. that make yeah, sense yeah like and that, that again the care that was put into this movie mm-hmm. and th- this is no uh i think all the performances are really really great but such an uh, the directing job in this movie from ja bayona to me is so next level that it's like i just wish he wasn't pigeonholed into doing shitty jurassic world movies like <laughs> i, I like I haven't seen any of the Jurassic World movies, but I don't. You don't he, need to. He doesn't need to do that. Like, and a, and a Monster Calls, which is unfortunately the only movie of his that I had seen previously to this, was one of my favorite movies. You haven't of that seen year. The Impossible? No, I haven't seen The Impossible. <gasps> you I would you love need it. to. It's on this level. It's yeah. it's intense. Yeah, and that's and that's with Ewan McGregor and Naomi yeah. Watts and uh, Tom, Tom Holland, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tom a baby, Holland. a baby Tom, baby Tom Holland. Holland. But um, and a Monster Calls is is something that is so different in terms of what the what the material is and what the story is but the relationships with human beings in what he can still make fan- like that is like a fantasy story a monster calls mm. it's like based on i think like a child's not like a like a like a YA novel or something like that but this is based on a true story and still the epic filmmaking perspective and i you had listed on here that he did the first two episodes of Rings of Power which i never watched but the fact that Amazon would put something that is costing them hundreds of millions of dollars into his hands and just being like run with it is a true testament to like how incredible the direction of a director he is. Yeah. So I, I loved his direction in this. And and um, so many of the sequences we talked about the plane crash, the avalanche, multiple avalanche oh, sequences. Oh, yeah. my God. The yeah. like direction. Also, just the camera work of making you feel so claustrophobic of when that snow came in and feeling like these people were actually being suffocated underneath just i mean gorgeous but also horrifying immediately felt claustrophobic yeah and the sound work on it like to hear the sound is fantastic yeah it's incredible um also i just want like i read something that they filmed um like at the actual location, some of these shots and that it wasn't that cold. It was probably like 60 degrees, I think they said. And so some of these actors like being able to embody the movement of having like frostbite, freezing to death, having that hunger pain. I mean, it's really great core acting work that they're doing. And I'm just really blown away that some of these people have never acted before. Yeah, Yeah. it's so crazy to me. Zach, do you have something? Um, yeah, going back to the sound design too, I really love the part where um, they, the th- I think it was earlier in the movie where the th- three or four of them went up on the mountain and they were looking for the first time to see if they were close to any city and then they get stuck up in the blizzard. Oh, well, they're freezing mm-hmm. together. Right? Yeah, they're yeah, freezing yeah. and then they're all like huddled together because that's the only way to stay warm and they didn't even know if that would work. Yeah. But then they're like basically glued together with frozen to, to each other and then the sun comes up 
and it like defrosts them, which was really cool That's with crazy. the filmmaking too. And then you just hear like all of the like 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 when they're like ripping apart. Yeah, um, yeah. And, I thought he was uh, losing an eye, dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah exactly. Oh and the makeup God. was great too. Oh, like, yeah, I, how, yeah. Mm -hmm. the fact that we. Oh my God! Yeah. The, the, again, the technical level of this movie, I think, is so next level. But the makeup and the hairstyling in this, and again, like the dedication, you clearly see that these men are and are malnourished throughout this whole entire time, yeah. and you see them deteriorating at day by day. Oh my God! It's so next level. It's so it's good. It's crazy. They it's start so off good. looking kind of more like twenty. Like some of them look older than their characters really are, but they all look pretty young twenties. And then by the end of it, they look like they're in their mid forties, yeah. like fifties, just because of how, uh, tr like the hair being grown out, mm. just like the your cheeks completely gone and like pulled in. Um, like the severe chapped lips also the makeup is incredible also like the scabs that some of them had they look oh so God, real the scab oh, yeah. ew so gross that was the only scene like I had to look away did you but yeah it yeah. was like I said, uh, it's not a snacking movie. No, it's definitely not, not popcorn. No, not. I also really liked when they came home and they were uh, they were getting rushed into the hospital and they were all kind of in robes again mm -hmm. and they're showering and like like you see like the dirt come off of them oh, I and know. like they were trying to get food for the first time. Um, a lot of them just, yeah, they had the scabs mm -hmm. and like uh, wounds and, and the beards. Like everything was very like detailed and thorough. And as it should have been, you know, like he's very good at that and and giving that realism to the, the sense of the movie. So, 100%. Yeah. And I love the, the photography too. Yeah. I, oh, love the how they, I love how they take the picture right before they take off. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then uh, towards, towards the end of when they get picked up, uh, I mean, before they know that they're getting rescued. But uh, pictures. Yeah, he wants to take pictures of all of them, and he's to like, "Smile, it. you idiot!" <laughs> like, this is crazy. Yeah, but yeah, it was a really cool. Because they like really cool they touch. they knew they're like, okay, we're gonna get out of here eventually. I don't know how they knew, but they 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 were holding the perseverance on. and the things that these people had to overcome throughout this time is really remarkable. I do have one fact that I think both films don't do. Okay. Um. So in the end, when they got saved, only one helicopter came. Is something that I read. Okay. And they could only take like half the people back. And then came back. For and the then others. came back the next day. So like half of them, they had to decide like, okay, who goes and who's going to stay one more night here. And I guess like some of them were like fearful that they were like, what if yeah, they, so what terrifying. if they forget like where we are or like, what if something happens and like they don't come back? Oh After all I would have too, fought yeah. to been on that. I would have been like, I'm going. Talk about a moment when you're no longer family. With no, your long, absolutely. <laughs> like, no I feel like at that point, that no way. <laughs> at that point, I feel like you just have to like play rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> oh, God. That's so yeah. crazy. That is a crazy fact. That's crazy, though. Like, why wouldn't they bring that. two helicopters? What? They probably were still looking for them. I don't know. Well, no. Or maybe they, they had... don't want to. Like, I do. There is a moment. Which I actually did appreciate too. Again, in terms of kind of show don't tell, but they show the uh, the head of uh, I guess like the aviation, like mm. uh, and he gets the call, yeah, and he puts the phone down. And there's a moment where it he obviously is going to try to do this rescue mission, but part of him is probably like, what if we fucking crash? Like, what if we go in there and this rescue? Because they say, and this is another detail, and again, the details, like you said, Zach, the research, so great. The first radio call. When he goes, no, when he freaks out 
and they yeah. say that there had been 32 reported crashes in the Andes and no survivor had ever been found previously. Mm-hmm. And they were looking for 72 hours with 16 different search and rescue missions for these these uh, people on the, on the plane. Is again, just it puts you in a place where you're like, oh, my, I could not even imagine. And they call it off. That. Yes, they, they call it off. They call the it off because they're like, we'll have to wait until. Until the new year. The call out. The call's out on October 13th. Yeah. They have to so wait till spring. Crazy. It's crazy. So crazy. Oh, my God. But yeah, so there's that moment with him. Though I'm curious if maybe that's why they did it. Maybe. Or like. It's in real life. But I don't know. But I mean, for the fact that so much. There's so much authenticity in the story. I mean, I can overlook that little thing in comparison to... Do you I, guys think you would have survived? No fucking way. <laughs> no way. Zach? Uh, it would have been tight. I don't <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I, would have, I would have done my best to persevere, but I, I don't know how that would have worked. I feel like I... don't I, do good in the studio long enough. When we're sure, doing. right? <laughs> I feel like I would have been one of those people that's like, I can't just sit here. I'm going to start walking, and if I freeze to death out there, oh well. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I could have just I been, like stayed sitting I think they were going to. Like that was... If they didn't get that last radio contact, yeah. I think they were all like, well... We're just gonna do it. So yeah, at this point, food, let's just it. we're gonna yeah. do it. And I think yeah. the two guys too who went, they were like, "Fuck it, we're gonna try it. Like, yeah, we're gonna do it." So yeah, yeah, that was important. Um, I want to give shout outs to uh the four people that I, I mean again, I think everyone's really good in this, but the four characters that stood out most to me, uh Numa, which is played by Enzo. I'm gonna do my best. I might butcher a lot of these names. Go for uh, it. Numa's played by Enzo uh Vogue Rinchic. Uh, Nando was played by Augustin Pardea. Uh, Roberto was played by Matthias Recall and Javier, who was the older gentleman who has such mm-hmm. a fantastic scene with Numa talking about when the plane crash happens. Yeah. Uh, played by Esteban Bigliardi. Uh, I mean, again, a lot of these people are, are new and fresh actors and everybody does such a fantastic job within the movie. Um, but those four in particular were standouts to me. Um, and I would like to see all these young actors get mm-hmm. roles, not only in their own native language, but I'd love to see some of them transition over to some American productions as well. Similar to like how we saw with white Lotus and like Simona Tabasco is somebody that like, I'm really looking forward to seeing what she does next. Cause I loved her in white Lotus. Like I would love to see some of these, uh, gentlemen also get roles going forward. I thought the acting was so good. And I think the direction definitely benefited the fact that there was so much, I can't even imagine the rehearsal process of what they all went through too, because of a production of this scale and size, mm-hmm. a lot of unknowns, like 138 days of filming. I mean, the movie filmed from uh, January uh, to uh, beginning of January to the end of April in 2022 in uh, uh, Severa, Nevada in Spain, Monte Video, um, Uruguay, uh, Chile and Argentina, as well as the actual crash site in the Andes. So big production. It's a really good movie. I Are agree. we ready for scores? Do we have anything else we wanted to highlight? Ooh, yeah, I'm ready for scores. Zach, you got anything else? Uh, no, no. <laughs> we, we talked about a lot. We talked. We talked a lot about the movie. Yeah. Um, I'll start. Uh, this. Uh, I am happy because uh, previously I was talking to both of you guys, and I was like, I'm not sure if this is gonna get an Oscar nom, but I did check. Uh, that it actually got nominated for best film, not in the English language, at the Baftas. It got nominated for Best Foreign Language Film at the Critics' Choice, as well as Best Foreign Language at the Golden Globes. And Michael Giacchino also got Best Score Nom at Critics' Choice, which is sick, but I don't think that's going to happen for the Oscars. But uh, I hope it gets nominated. It's a very tough year with foreign films, with Anatomy of a Fall and Monster and Zone of Interest. So don't know if it has much of a shot to win, but if I was putting this in my 2023 films, it would be 
very high on my list. Do you think it would be in your top 10? It would absolutely be in my top 10. Wow. Because my score is a 9.5. <gasps> wow. It's a very high, high, absolutely. I thought this movie was remarkable. It was like something that I haven't seen before. And um, I just loved everything about it. I really hope Bayona like doesn't go back to Jurassic World. <laughs> like, I just want to see him do more things like this, mm-hmm. um, whether it's in his native language or or um, for U.S. audiences. I just think he's such an interesting filmmaker and I'm curious to see what else he does next. But yeah, this was, I mean, it's it's for a January release on Netflix in 2024. Years off to a great start. I really love this movie. Mm-hmm. So 9.5 is my score. Zach? Um, yeah, I'm going to... I'm gonna match it with a 9.5. Oh, let's go! Yeah, it's like it's really, really good, and um, has a lot to say just about the emotional undertone with with their characters and stuff. And if they uh, if they mismanage that part of it, it it would have been just another survival movie, you know. Like there's there's some very hollow survival movies, but this one has a lot to say about what they went through the circumstances and the filmmaking like it was just really well done and i can't imagine another interpretation at least for a very long time to to outdo it so you know it's really good (laughs) i'm close but i'm not as high with you guys i'm gonna do a nine okay so i thought you were gonna go a little lower than that so i'm I'm happy i was teetering 8.5 but then i was like i the sound for me i never noticed sound and so the fact that i appreciate this it i it pushes it up for me um, the one thing that, again, I just didn't love who they chose as the narrator. Okay. Gotcha. That's fair. Still, it's a good score, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Really, mm-hmm. really high score. And I will say the time run didn't bother me. I was just going to ask. It, it didn't bother me okay. on this and one. It is, it's, it's a lengthy movie. It's a long it's two one. hours and 24 minutes, but it totally earns every single minute. Yeah. I think. I think there's anyway. a few minutes that it drags <laughs> a little bit, but there's I wouldn't no cut it. <laughs> I wouldn't cut oh it God. because it shows how long they were there for. Okay. It's fair. So they should have included it in the movie. Yeah. The runtime, <laughs> I would leave it. There were some moments where I was like, times. okay, let me look Yo, at it. We got to make some. We gotta I make want. Some, Liz, we got to make just, some Queen of Runtimes merch. Yeah. I, think. <laughs> I just want Guys, to let us know in the comments film, if you please. want Queen of Runtimes merch. <laughs> I should have that been, I should have so been an editor. Why didn't I go to school well, for that? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I want to see you edit a film. And like, like that. Can you imagine like, it's really point. bad, though? Like, oh, you guys boy. are like, Liz, we don't know what's happening. We're going to review it on the channel. <laughs> like, we don't, we don't know what's happening. Yeah. I'm like, but it's under two hours. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all that matters. Oh, man. Well, obviously, we all love this movie. We gave it a really high score. Uh, all of us, nine or above. So if you guys are still watching this at this point, because you guys had watched the film and you're listening to our review, um, let us know in the comments what you guys thought. What would your score be for Society of the Snow? Uh, really great piece of filmmaking. We, I mean, it's it's great to be uh, <clears throat> three weeks into the new year and have a film of this caliber that we can talk about. Very curious to see where it ends up on our end of the year list next year because this is very early to be giving out these kinds of scores, but I, it's a great movie. Um, if you guys can, be sure to give this video a like. You guys can subscribe. We are the Culture Wave Media Network. You guys can hit that bell for alerts. We have new videos coming out pretty much every day for you guys. Uh, we're also on social media. If you guys want to follow us at Cinema Wave Media, we're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're also on Threads and we're on Facebook. We have a blog where you guys can check out news articles full length if you guys want to see that as well. Underscore Culture Wave Media and at Jersey's Finest Pod on Instagram as well. Just signing off. I am Darian Scalamoni. I am Liz Seiko. I'm Zach Miller. And we'll see you guys next time.